a quick intro here. Um, today we are joined by Mike Gunderson, who is the founder of Gunderson Direct. It's a direct marketing agency that helps businesses drive new leads and close more sales through traditional offline channels, especially direct mail. And we're going to dig into that in more detail. Uh, prior to starting Gunderson Direct, Mike served as a senior art director at Providian Financial, where he's cut his teeth on rigorously targeted, response-driven direct mail campaigns. In addition to that, he's of his running his company. He's been the president of EO Silicon Valley and has served on the board for over five years. Um, I know Mike well. I know he likes family and friends, but I know he really likes riding motorcycles, collecting antiques, which we're going to talk about too, and talking in the third person. Uh, so, <laughs> Mike, thanks for joining me on uh, our third episode of our, our little podcast here. Thanks, man. It's an honor and um, and happy Veterans Day to you, Ian. And um, and thank you for your service, man. Uh, well, thank you for saying that. Uh, I I got a lot more out of the Marine Corps than they got out of me. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> let's let's go right into the question that I think um, a lot of people have in their mind, uh, specifically to what is direct mail. Like, what would be kind of your elevator pitch to anyone looking for different channels? to exploit or to try and find new customers, new leads. What, what would you say uh, is direct marketing, direct mail marketing? Well, I think the best thing is, is that it's, it's highly targeted, right? So, um, so just like a Facebook ad, uh, you know, some YouTube and some other types of uh, channels, you can actually get to a specific person uh, to sell your products or services. Um, and, you know, it sounds easy to do, but really um, I, I get a lot of, jokes when when people tell me you know when i tell them what i do and they're like oh you're the junk mail guy you know you're the guy that puts all that junk in my mailbox and and what they don't know is um is that we try here at gunderson direct um to to really not send you junk mail uh we don't typically do eddm uh which is every door direct mail which is which is definitely a pretty inexpensive way to to kind of cast a wide net on on mail to folks, but it's kind of a spray and pray method of uh, trying to get response from those customers. Um, so what we like to do is um, really try to understand who our target is and how that benefits our customers, so that the mail that you do receive, although you may not respond to it, uh, there's a highly there's a high likelihood that the mail that that has been sent through Gunderson Direct does have uh, some relevance to you and your family and your situation. So we try really hard for our customers to not only find uh, great customers that fit the demographics that they're trying to, um, uh, to, uh, to get to respond and buy their products, but we also develop response models and other types of modeling to ensure that uh, they also respond to direct mail. And so, um, so when people say junk mail, I like to I like to say we are actually the the opposite of junk mail, uh, where we the, the the marketing and the promotions that we are sending to you hopefully have a high likelihood of something that you want to respond to. So, I mean, I know because I've I've known your business for a while that you have some pretty large customers that a lot of people would be surprised, probably maybe a little bit surprised that they actually use this as a channel. Um, and I don't want to share any uh, logos that you're not comfortable with, but can you just walk us through like maybe a couple of companies where, you know, they're, they seem to be a digitally focused brand and, and that would be where they're trying to get distribution, but they're actually finding success using you as an, as a, as a different strategy. 
Yeah, I mean, look, some of the biggest brands in the world are using direct mail to drive a, a ton of sales, a ton of top of funnel leads, and also using direct mail to help cross sell and win back, um, you know, previous customers. So, um, you know, we work with the biggest names in, in the industry, you know, a lot of banking and fintech and financial companies, a lot of healthcare companies, uh, a lot of insurance um, uh, companies, a lot of B2B SaaS type companies. Um, it's important that you utilize direct mail. I, I've never been, uh, been the one to say, well, direct mail is better than any other channel. It really isn't. But when you add in or fold in direct mail as part of your marketing mix, you could, there's a lot of gold there to be mined. And, um, and I think, too, that um, the different tactics, again, if you're highly targeted, uh, the ROI on direct mail is fairly high. You know, you can really get a high consideration from customers uh, right off the bat. Um, because you're actually informing them of what you're selling uh, prior to them going on a, a landing page or calling a phone number to order uh, that product or go to the store uh, and buy uh, and buy products, right? So, so we we really think that. Um, when you can combine the marketing mix, a, a more of an omni-channel approach to uh, to your marketing and direct mail as part of that mix, uh, overall, all the different marketing channels kind of um, uh, kind of succeed, right? Because there's there's just a, a, a there's more information, more awareness around those promotions and those sales uh, that are going on that help drive in new customers. Peter Till is. Uh a guy that uh, obviously a lot of entrepreneurs follow. Um, he's famously said that, you know, distribution is almost as important as product, if not more important, and has said that if you can find one distribution channel, it's good. If you can find two, you have a great business. Um, what is a good pairing for direct mail? Like what are, you know, there's PR, there's search engine marketing, there's social and display ads, there's offline ads, there's content marketing, email marketing. Like what is the combo that you find works really nicely with direct mail? Well, we we do like uh, a lot of direct response channels. So um, so TV, uh, DRTV has traditionally worked really well uh, with direct mail. Um, radio has traditionally worked really well uh, with direct mail. Podcasts right now, a lot of our customers are pairing direct mail and podcasts as part of uh, a, a major um, uh, use of tactics in order to drive new business. And so that's been uh, really successful. Um, so we find that a lot, you know, really... Any direct response channel works well. Um, we do like the idea of like an omni-channel approach where we're using TV, radio, um, and direct mail only because the awareness and the uh, consistency of that message being shown over and over again um, actually brings quite a bit of awareness to each of those channels. So if you got a direct mail piece or a postcard in the mail and you're sitting down, you're watching television, you see an ad. Uh, that was for something that was uh, in your mailbox, there's higher recall to that brand um, when we're doing an omni-channel experience. So that's been really great. Um, I, I will say that one thing about, you know, TV and radio is it can get really expensive and it can also get fairly hard um, to read the results of those campaigns. And so uh, one of the things we do love about direct mail is the attribution uh, back to the channel uh, utilizing everything from vanity URLs to vanity phone numbers uh, to even using, uh, you know, we, we here at Gunners and Direct use a kind of a match back analysis in order to match back the responses back to the direct mail program. And it's been super successful, especially for the folks that have 
an omni-channel marketing uh, program going on because we can also create holdouts within that direct mail program in order to measure the lift uh, that direct mail has over that holdout in order to um, see the see the actual response against an, an omni-channel experience. What is the craziest thing somebody's asked you to mail? <laughs> well, you know, here at Gunners and Direct, I, we, we get a lot of requests for doing some high-impact direct mail. And, and I want to make sure I'm clear on this. I absolutely love high-impact direct mail. In fact, one time I had a hockey stick uh, mailed to me, um, literally had a label on the hockey stick and the USPS delivered it uh, as a piece of, of mail. That was probably the craziest thing I've seen in the mail. Um, and although creatively, um, I think I think those types of campaigns are fantastic uh, to really be able to build out and experience, at Gunderson Direct here, we're more focused on um, higher volume, top of funnel um, direct mail campaigns that um, that are, that are more um, the ability for those campaigns are more to to bring as many leads to top of funnel sales teams as we can, so that um, so that of course those sales teams can get on the phone and start to convert and sell those customers. That's incredible that somebody would actually uh, mail a hockey stick because I can't imagine what that would cost, but I can't, it can't be cheap. I mean, what, 20 bucks? I mean, that it can't be well, cheap. Well, <laughs> the funny thing is, too, you know, people say, uh, you know, there's some really cool mailers out there. There's like uh, video mailers that you can send out now, right, where you can actually have an interactive video uh, when you open it up and, and it, you can actually play different chapters and it, you can actually go through your entire product catalog. Uh, and full video as if you're going online to watch it. And, and people say, well, why didn't you just send a link? But the impact of that is so strong. Um, and, and people often say, well, gosh, you know, that's got to be really expensive. But look, if you're only doing 300, 500, 1,000 of these things um, and a conversion to you for new customers, especially in the B2B space is worth maybe 20,000, 30,000, a million dollars in contracts, uh, spending $14 or $40 or $60 or $150 on one mailer uh, has an incredible ROI in order to get the attention of those of those, um, of those prospects. Uh, that's interesting so if you were taking a, a group that was really trying to make a mark but they had a smaller list to start with you might try something that's a little bit more impactful like that but then uh, i'm assuming that usually you need to have some sort of pattern or repeatability to the messaging so like would it be like a high-end video type thing and then maybe you kind of slim it down to like a postcard and just to keep the general cost so, somewhat reasonable yeah, I think doing some sort of drip campaign is a good way to go. It can go even the opposite, right? So, uh, so actually do smaller, uh, less expensive efforts early, um, and then get uh, get as many people to come in the door at those lower uh, at those lower costs, and then uh, ramp up your ability uh, to attract them with a more expensive piece. So essentially, you're whittling down your list as responses are coming in. Uh, oftentimes, we'll get um, startups, you know, who want who have very sexy brands and they want to kind of get in market with a big splash, you know, and so they're they want to do a dimensional piece, so they want to. They want to mail a, you know, a, a coffee cup or they want to mail a, a hoodie or they want to do something really cool that'll stand out. And I always say to them, let's start with like a basic letter package and just let's get a baseline off of something that's very inexpensive. 
uh, to see if we can drive in um, folks just based off of your value proposition um, and what and, and how your product or service can benefit them. Um, and I think they appreciate that because I think the, the idea is that we want to go big, but really if we can test and be able to drive response with a low cost uh, mailer, um, and do that maybe uh, multiple times. So maybe do it three or four times, you know, three or four touches, maybe different messages for each one of those different mailers. Um, you can actually drive in customers a lot less money than you than you think um, versus going in big and trying to do a, a big dimensional piece. It's going to end up costing you, you know, between 30 and $40 per piece. One tactic that I've, been irritated myself with is when it looks like it's a, a letter from like the government or someone important and I open it up in its market materials. Is is that a kind of a common industry tactic to try and get people to at least open it up and like do they find that that's effective? Because I find that I get more angry about it. I usually don't even read very much. I just start tearing it in half. Like is that kind of one of the tactics that you've tried or that you've seen in the industry and how effective is that? Well, look, I'm not going to say we don't do certain things um, like that. Now, I will say that, um, that that tactic works very, very well for a multitude of different products and services. Um, in fact, we had a piece recently um, that we were concepting on where I saw the envelope and I saw the brand and I said, you know, this tactic is just a little this this outside this envelope just looks a little bit too misleading. It just feels like it's going to it's going to feel cheap and it's going to anger the customer much like what you just described um but I will say, and, and what we use is a term stealth envelope or blind OE uh, outer envelope. And, and what that means is um, what we do sometimes do is not reveal exactly what's inside that envelope uh, when we mail it to somebody. So the idea is that if we can get somebody to open up that envelope and not dismiss it right off the bat as something that is marketing mail, uh, oftentimes that headline or that um, that commitment to open the mail uh, will actually allow them to at least read the first paragraph of the letter or read that headline or the sidebar and try to get kind of the gist of what this offer is about. That then in turn leads to a higher response rate. Um, we used to send, and we still do send a lot of what we call snap packs. And those are those government looking pieces that you that you mentioned that have the little tear offs on the left and the right of that, um, of that mailer. And um, we had a couple brands, you know, uh, strong brands that were like, you know, we just don't really want to trick our prospects and customers. We don't want to leave that bad taste in their mouth. So what we did was we created, instead of making it look official, like a government uh, mailing, we actually branded the Snapback with the customer's logo, uh, the background. Typically, there's some sort of security tent or background on that um, on that particular mailer. We turned that into uh, a more designed pattern. You know, something that it was on brand for that particular uh, for that particular customer, and then everything inside was designed uh, well as you would expect. And what we found was is just the idea of the perf off side, just the idea of that form factor, you know, the snap pack form factor was enough to get people inside of this mailer and respond. So we didn't have to trick them, uh, but the form factor itself led itself to be more credible uh, for that particular prospect in order for them to open it up and, and read more about uh, what the offer was. That's interesting. Um, you know, based on just kind of 
marketing statistics 101. They, most people say email marketing is still the most cost-effective, highest response uh, way to connect with you know potential customers or your existing customers. And one thing that it seems like on the cover of things has uh, an advantage over a direct mail is that they can A-B test, but you can A-B test as well, right? Oh, absolutely. And look, I, I'll be the first one to say that uh, I think email uh, is still a viable marketing channel. I think it works really well. And especially once you have an established customer relationship, email is an awesome tool. Um, but I will say for prospecting, it's a little bit more challenging, right? I mean, the issue with email and prospecting is that you're buying these lists or you're renting these lists, these email lists, and you're sending them out. And these um, and these ISPs or these email providers now um, have built-in tools I mean, even Google not only uh, gets rid of any spam, but it also, for any promotional emails, will put that in a bucket. And it, I don't know about you, but um, but I see people's Gmail inbox, and I see like 3,421 emails in, unread, right, in in their inbox. I can see that, uh, you know, on their menu bar on the left. And I, it, it amazes me that, there's that many emails that are not getting read before you purge out all the stuff that you want to purge out, you know, typically once a year. So even the stuff that you think is going to be getting in and is, is technically deliverable, right? It's still being sorted and pushed into these different folders of which the customer may never even see those promotions. Um, so, uh, so for me, I think email is a good tool, especially for customer email, but maybe not so good for prospecting. Whereas direct mail, gets um you know gets a guaranteed impression almost every time somebody has to go to their mailbox they have to pick up the mail they have to touch it even to throw it away uh they have to touch it they have to interact with that mail and so it's very effective when it comes to actually getting that impression um as for a b testing yeah absolutely we do uh multivariate testing here at Gunderson Direct where not only are we testing maybe the offer and the format but we're also testing list um you know uh uh, list providers and um, and data, um, you know, different data uh, uh, providers in order to figure out who's going to be the best responding uh, data uh, data segment that we're sending to. So, um, so yeah, multivariate testing. We we here at uh, Gunners Direct have a we have a methodology called leap and repeat, where we um, we can aggressively test within a, a three to four month period, uh, be able to find some some winners quickly and then be able to roll out that direct mail program efficiently um, and be able to do it uh, with pretty high confidence that that direct mail um, uh, rollout is going to be effective for our customers. Well, you mentioned earlier prospecting and it, and it not being as good uh, for email marketing for, for just pure prospect. Um, as somebody that's done some direct mail, but not a ton, you know, if you're a startup, especially in, in, a, in an industry that maybe you're trying to blaze a trail here, like having that pure list is really difficult. And it's hard to build that even with doing your best outreach and marketing and trying to get people to follow and listen to things like this podcast. Like, so then you go, well, there's got to be an easy way or hack. And the first thing you think of is, is like, I'm going to just buy a list. Um, can you give us some of the ins and outs of like how that works and are those lists i mean most of them that you find are they really that good or are is it a lot harder than it seems 
Well, it, just like with your your format and your creative and your offer and your messaging, um, all these different things you want to be able to test into to get the best um, the best response and the best performance. Um, so yeah, oftentimes um, for for us, you know, direct mail lists are still um, you know very accurate. They're kept up to date. There's a lot more credible players, right? That are um, that are able to uh, put together lists that are very responsive. And then we also do things that are very similar to uh, to Facebook, where we do lookalike or cloning models uh, based off of your current customer database, and then we will find attributes that match up with uh, with a broader prospect database. Um, and what why that's great is that we can actually start to pinpoint multiple attributes that will make that particular customer more responsive um, and we'll be able to then uh, procure a list that will be effective for our customers. Um, so that's called co-op lists or um, uh, like, a, like a co-op list or a, a um, a transactional list will allow us to not only see demographics of that customer, you know, say it's a it's a it's a female thirty you know thirty to to, to forty five who owns a home who has a kid, but we can also see transactional level detail that says um, she recently purchased um, some hair hair color product or she recently purchased um, you know a. Um, you know, a, a baby stroller, right? And so we can utilize these data points in order to target not only who that customer is and know that that demographic is perfect for our customer, but that she's also in the market for our customers' products or services uh, by that transactional level detail. So it's a really, really great way uh, to get pinpoint targeting and drive up response and conversions on those direct mail programs. When you were you know, prior to starting Gunderson Direct, and you were obviously working um, and doing this type of work. What did you see as the gap in the market that you were like, I can do this better, faster, cheaper? You know, what was the thing that kind of got you to take the leap into entrepreneurship? Well, it was interesting. Um, so when I started back at Providian Financial, um, you know, I, I, I just wanted to get out of my current job. My current job was moving from San Francisco to San Ramon, which is on the East Bay here in, in the Bay Area. And it wasn't something I wanted to do. I was still young and I wanted to work in the city. I mean, it was just awesome to be there every day. And so I ended up getting this job at Providian Financial when they told me I was going to be designing direct mail. I, I was like, I didn't, I didn't even know what they were talking about. And, and even now, it, it, there's some challenge in uh, bringing on talent to Gunderson Direct because I'll, I'll say direct mail and, and a lot of uh, younger folks are like, I don't, I, what do you mean? You know, um, are, are they still mailing? And, and they know they are still mailing. They're getting stuff from the mailbox every day, but they don't, nobody really thinks about it as being a marketing tactic. So, um, so yeah, when I went through that, I realized what I loved about that job versus other jobs is I could actually change the design of an envelope. I could change the size of an offer I could change the format. I could, I could do a postcard versus, um, versus a self mail. I could do all these different things. And instead of it just going off into vaporware, about, you know, about four to six weeks later, we would get an analysis that said, wow, changing that, uh, that offer to blue, um, and, and, and 10 times the size really did affect response. And we ended up getting X amount of new accounts based off of, uh, that design change. And so I fell in love with the idea 
of being able to create, but actually get an analysis back, actually see the effectiveness of what I was creating. Like it gave me purpose um, in a sense. And so uh, when I left Providian and started my own shop, I, I got lucky in the sense that um, there was quite a few other folks leaving that company at the same time, uh, starting at other companies like Wells Fargo and a couple of other type of startups. And we were, I was able to tap into that, to, to those colleagues and be able to start building out my own, um, you know, my own expertise in my own company. But this was all right when internet and, and social and online marketing was taking off. And so there was a, there was a point in my career about four or five years into running Gunderson Direct that um, that I was like, gosh, do I do I run away from direct mail and like really pursue all this online advertising um, and, and kind of kind of chase cheese with everybody else? Or do I double down on direct mail and really make that our core competency and make that why we're different, like why you would come to us versus everybody else? And you know what? It was a roll of the dice and it ended up working out really well for, for myself and my company. And um, and I think I, I think back to that moment because I, I know there's a few colleagues that said, you're crazy, man. Like, why would you just do direct mail? Like, that doesn't make any sense. But but now we're kind of the experts. And when people are looking for effective direct mail marketing programs, either to launch a program brand new, like a startup, or uh, to improve a current program that's been in market for 20 or 30, you know, 20 years, you know, like a lot of stuff that we do for some of these big banks. Um, it's, it's really neat that they, they come to us because they see the, the breadth of work that we've done and they want to tap into our uh, thought leadership in order to increase and improve the performance of their direct mail programs. How much did uh, joining a, an association like EO, which is an entrepreneur association, peer led, you know, with forum and feedback and all those things, how much did that help in growing and scaling your business? It was a game changer for me. I, I will, I will, uh, you know, always be in debt to EO. Um, when I heard about EO, I was right about, I don't know, I guess, I guess I was about seven or eight years into my business. I was pretty much a consultancy. It was myself and a studio artist. Um, and, uh, you know, EO has revenue requirements. So um, we were able to finally hit that that revenue requirement of a million dollars about, gosh, almost 11 years ago. And, uh, and, you know, look, I'm a graphic designer. Even when I was in art school, I barely paid attention. I wasn't very interested in learning about how to run a business, how to build a business plan, um, you know, the, ec the economics of everything, billing. I did learn all that stuff on my own just by doing, and I got pretty good at it, but I'm not a traditional business school kid. I didn't, you know, I don't have a master's degree in, in anything, right? Um, and so uh, EO allowed me to really take my business to the next level. In fact, the, my very first uh, presentation for EO and Forum was um, whether or not I hire a full-time employee. Even the employee I had was a part-time employee. I was so scared for some reason in California to hire an employee because all I heard from everybody was like, California is really hard to hire employees. Oh, you know, you're opening yourself to a bunch of liability. Uh, you know, it's so much more expensive to hire employees than it is to have contractors. And um, and they kind of pushed me through that and got me through the the hiring process. And it was so funny. It was such a barrier to growing my business because I just didn't want to take that leap. 
And of course, as you know, because you've run a couple of businesses, once you get past one or two of those hiring um, uh, exercises, then it's kind of like, well, gosh, we could just hire whenever we need. And so we've We've done a really great job of hiring wonderful people, uh, interviewing. We can always be better. We're always trying to improve. But now we're about 25 employees. We're super happy. We've got a tight-knit team, a great culture. And all that has come through the the learning and experience through EO, um, not only as the entire organization, but also my forum individually. Those guys have just been fantastic. And so, yeah. I say that I owe a lot of my success to uh, to EO and the and the organization. So, you know, you've, you've gone through all the different, you know, ins and outs of direct mail and how to use it effectively in an omni-channel kind of strategy. Um, we've talked a little bit about attribution, but, um, you know, I, obviously there's reporting that people request back from you that says, you know, how effective is this? And I know you can't give me a direct answer or a number, but on average, with all of the different accounts from your biggest, which are very big to your medium size, like... How many mailings does a company have to activate till they start to see kind of a good flow of responses, activations, qualified leads, however you're measuring success? Well, I'd say that there's two different types of mailings the way I see it, right? There's um, there's customer mailings or what we call like win back mailings, um, reactivation mailings. So either winning back um, dormant customers or upselling current customers. And a lot of this is, is done in the donation space as well. Like if you have a donor, they're really kind of a customer, but if they've donated in the past, they have affinity to you, they know who you are. Um, those mailings can be super effective. I mean, I'm talking, it could be 2X to 10X more effective than a prospect mailing. So starting from a customer, if you have an internal database of customers, right, that you have the address for, and even if you don't have the address for them, say you only have the email address for them, email them and give them a reason to give them your address because this address can be super effective when winning back new customers. Uh, I'm talking two, three, maybe even depending on the type of service or industry you're in, it could be up to 10% response rates on those types of mailings. Um, and especially when you couple those with you know, with, with an email mailing, um, uh, I think direct mail is a really great thing for customer mailings. Now, we don't do a lot of that here at Gunderson Direct. We mainly focus in on uh, pure acquisition, new customer, top of funnel type of uh, mailings. So with those, with great targeting, uh, understanding your customer, a great, you know, a lot of times it's also like you got to have kind of a good product, right? Or you got good service. Um, it can't just be like, um, like uh, a, a kind of a boring, uh, you know, same as everybody else type of product. What we, when we work with our, our, our customers, we want to make sure that we find that unique value proposition. What is driving customers to you? versus your competitors, whether that's price, whether that's service, whether that's technology, whatever it might be. We want to get, we want to pull that out and give the customer a reason to choose you over your competitor. Um, and so, uh, so first thing is we want to make sure we have a great list of so working with a company that can help you get there. That's fantastic. Um, the other thing is for, uh, for testing, um, small mailings for us, we find just don't work very well. So a lot of our clients want to come to us and they sit, they want to say, Hey, well, I want to do 5,000 pieces of mail here. 
I don't want to split it up in different tests and I want to be able to get it out and I want to see what the effectiveness is before I commit to a $300,000 budget on direct mail. Uh, and we just, we, we, we just don't see that working. When we do that, it typically doesn't work. And if it does work, we don't really, we, we don't really have enough data to read in order to effectively judge a campaign and figure out what our next steps are going to be. So we like to bring in companies with, uh, as I mentioned, our leap and repeat strategy. This allows us for about, about uh, 450,000 pieces of mail. It's about six months, four to six months of mailings. This allows us to have enough mail in market, really understand the response, uh, be able to understand the analysis and how, how it can affect future mailings, and then allow us enough information to make the decision on whether or not direct mail works. And if it does work, what should we scale to in order to make it the most effective to drive in sales for our organization? So that's how we work with companies. Uh, a baseline response for a good direct mail piece with a good list, with a good offer should be anywhere between, a high, this might sound low, but it's actually pretty good because conversions are higher in direct mail, should be anywhere between about a half a percent to one and a half percent for response rate. And then as I mentioned, typically your conversion rates are gonna be higher because folks that come from direct mail are a little bit more informed. They understand what they're actually responding to, and therefore they're um, uh, they're they're more opt to um, to actually convert in funnel uh, versus somebody clicking on a banner ad or a social media ad. Yeah, that makes total sense to me because the friction would be higher if I'm looking at a postcard and I have to go to my computer to find you because I've read that this postcard and I'm like, yeah, I definitely yep. want it. So just having that additional friction and me still going there to do the action of, of the reach out would show that I'm probably a little bit more uh, ready to buy. Um, that makes sense. But what, so new company, they've been, they've been saturating Facebook ads, there's new privacy, so they're not converting, they're getting desperate. So they're trying to figure out like, I got to find another channel, I got to find more business here. They come to you. What is that? How does it, how do you walk them through the budgeting process? So they understand, you know, your cost per ship or cost per envelope, or however you're measuring that, that metric. Um, is this your response rate will be that here's your ROI. Like, can you walk me through kind of a ROI calculation on, on Gunderson direct and how you help businesses understand how, how that works? Yeah, we have kind of a CPM model as well. Uh, we, I call, I call it cost per piece. I like to break it down to the actual cost per impression. Um, but it's not like uh, it's not unlike a Facebook buy or anything else. The difference is is that there's there's a manufacturing process involved and shipping involved, which is a USPS. So that that inherently makes direct mail a little bit more expensive from an investment perspective. However, I will say this: as you scale a direct mail program, so as you go from a hundred thousand pieces to five hundred thousand pieces to a million pieces of mail your cost per impression, your cost per piece actually goes down as you scale. And I don't know about you, but uh, what I find that for most of our customers that are marketing and social media is that as they increase scale in social media, they actually increase competition. By increasing competition, they actually increase their cost per impression. So as you scale in, in social and digital, you're actually spending more money per impression. And as you scale in direct mail, you're actually, you're actually spending less per, per impression. And as I mentioned, you're usually coming out with a higher conversion rate with direct mail, which is really fantastic. Um, so, so those are the two big differences, I would say, um, from a budging perspective. Um, and I always say this, like, you know, if, if you have a, a product or service and you have competitors 
and those competitors aren't doing direct mail, this is a, the perfect opportunity to get ahead of them. Um, you know, we did uh, we do quite a bit of, of work for uh, ZipRecruiter. Has been a fantastic customer. They've been uh, we've we've seen them grow. They uh, they have an, an outstanding platform. They're fantastic. Um, but they 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 took the risk. They said, you know what, I. I think we should be doing direct mail. And we, we did exactly, as I mentioned, the leap and repeat strategy. We scaled that business. Um, and direct mail um, has been a winner for them. And they've been, um, they've been strong and aggressive in that channel for, for many, many years. And it continues to drive uh, a lot of business for them. Um, and now I'm seeing a lot of Indeed direct mail. And I'm seeing LinkedIn direct mail. So there's a lot of companies that are now, now following them um, and and that strategy in order to gain more customers. So uh, direct mail is kind of, I, I want to say it's a secret weapon, you know, it's old school, but it is kind of like if you're there and your competitors aren't, you have one up them because now you're getting to customers that care about your products and services, right? Um, we're actually targeting for that. Uh, we're getting it to the decision maker and they're seeing that message in addition to uh, social media ads, radio, TV, podcasts. So that's one extra channel, one extra touch point that is actually um, that is that is a, a guaranteed impression. Somebody's going to be touching that direct mail piece um, in order to make a consideration on a new product or service. So. Uh, so we like direct mail for that. Again, it's it's a great omni channel option. Um, and it's great if your customers are not doing this, this is something that you should be doing. Now, if your customers are doing direct mail, that's even more incentive to get into the mailbox, right? Because if they're doing it, they're winning because they have one additional tactic that they're utilizing in their toolbox that you are not using. And uh, the other myth is direct mail is super expensive. It's really expensive. It's really expensive. I don't see it that way. I, I look at direct mail as if you're not getting an ROI, it is expensive. If you are getting an ROI, how it is not expensive. It is actually making you money. So that's how we look at it. We try to, to bring on new companies and businesses that we know direct mail will work for. Oftentimes, financial sector, B2B, um, insurance works well, uh, still works well for consumers uh, responding, a lot of credibility there. Um, and so um, so we just say it's only expensive if it doesn't work. We're proven to make it work. So let's let's get a test out there. Let's see how we can get this done. And then let's figure out how to scale your program long term. Okay, last direct mail question, I promise. So by my gut, this is just gut, but I'm sure you have data on this. My gut tells me that you probably get higher response um, the older the the target. So, you know, 45 and above probably respond better than 16 to 21. Is, is there truth in that or does direct mail work for every age demo? You know, there's, there's, I think, a huge misconception that direct mail is, is really for the old, for the older generation. They, they, you know, they still respond to direct mail 100%. The older generation is a fantastic demo for direct mail, but Everybody likes going to their mailbox. Everybody likes seeing what's in there. They like catalogs. They like going through catalogs still. They like seeing what's what's in the mailbox. And so, um, and this again is an impression that is not part of the digital noise that's surrounding uh, millennials today and younger folks today. I mean, everything is online. So if you can do something creatively that's compelling, that gets people to stop, to get people to read your headline or look at your new sweater or 
see the new product or service or the or the the new D to C you know a meal kit that's that's that that that's available. If you can get customers to take a look at this, stop for two seconds and read the message. Um, this is a this is a, this is something that is uh, that is effective for them, right? It's something that stops them in their tracks, gets them to read more. That it that oftentimes a digital ad, podcast ad, social media ad will just simply get scrolled by and um, and ignored. So. Um, so direct mail, in a sense, is almost impossible to ignore. You have to go to your mailbox. The mailman is there every single day delivering your mail. You're sorting it. Whether you like it or not, of course, is up to you. But our hope is that with the right targeting, the right messaging, and the right offer, you're going to stop, you're going to take a look, and you're going to respond to that piece of direct mail because it's relevant to you, and it's going to make your life better at the end of the day. All right. Well, Let's let's wrap with one thing about uh, the reason we still well we we still talk for many reasons but one of the reasons is we're on the board of the Special Forces Sports Foundation right that's uh, something we're both passionate about and uh, you're thinking of kicking off a campaign which I've agreed to uh, join in on but can you walk Fantastic. walk us through uh, and for those that listen later on what we're going to try and do and kind of the goal of this campaign. Yeah, so for, uh, Special Forces is an awesome foundation that our buddy Matt put together, really helping underserved uh, kids, um, you know, uh, with disabilities uh, participate in, in sports um, at, a, at, a, at a high school level, which is really fantastic. Uh, all this while really utilizing high school kids as mentors for uh, these kids with, uh, with dis- disabilities. So love the foundation, love what we're doing. So what we're going to be doing uh, for early January of next year, we're going to be um, developing a um, we're calling it the Better Every Day uh, Jump Rope Challenge. Um, and we're going to be putting uh, putting together a nice little kit for um um, uh, for folks that will receive it in the mail, it will include a jump rope. Um, and then we will be doing a one week challenge where every single day we're going to kind of do, uh, incrementally a little, a, a few more jumps every day. And our goal is to get a hundred thousand jumps, um, per, you know, a hundred, excuse me, a hundred thousand jumps total, um, for everybody who's participating. And if we can, uh, reach that goal, which I think we will, uh, Gunnarsson Direct will donate $10,000 to that foundation in order to help Matt expand the program and uh, continue to, um, uh, to make that program a success. Well, the sponsor of our podcast is Funnel 9, which is uh, my new company, and we'll also be doing the same thing. So we will match and do the 10000 donation as long as we are able to get people to, to jump rope. So are we planning to mail people some jump rope? Yeah. So it, look, if any of your listeners want to email me at Mike, M-I-K-E, at Gunder, that's G-U-N-D-I-R.com, um, just email me their name and their address. We'll send them over a jump rope and then they can help participate in that challenge in early January. Awesome, Mike. Hey, I know we got to let you go. I kept you a little longer than I told you I would, but thank you so much for walking us through direct marketing and direct mail. Um, I think it's very insightful. I know from my experience with the you know the previous companies that I've uh, exited from that it was successful for us. And uh, so I wish you the best of success as you close out 2021 and uh, looking forward to seeing you in person soon. Awesome, Ian. Hey, thanks a lot for having me. This was a lot of fun and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, sir. All right.